I had this little voice in my head growing up saying, you need to find security for yourself and you need to earn um, a great degree so you can have a great career and basically make a lot of money so that you could be secure. And it's like, well, why, where did that come from? Failing. 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 I know. When we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with them. And this is Failing Forward. Yay. I am interviewing today. Regina C. Minier, love her name. She is a former corporate pharma leader turned founder of O Universe. And listeners, when I told my friends and family that I wanted to extend our guest list outside of Cincinnati, this was the first person that our good friend Michaela told me to talk about, so or to talk to. So Regina, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so uh, much. Girl, when we talked a couple weeks ago, we could have talked for like three hours, right? Yes, absolutely. So good. Okay, so let's get all of our listeners grounded and tell us a little bit about you, your family history, where are you from? Yeah, I'm actually, I, I was born in Indonesia. So we're Chinese Indonesian. We immigrated to the US when I was three years old. And I grew up pretty much in Southern California. And, you know, it was my parents and I have an older sister. Okay. And um, pretty much was a pretty, you know, simple, good overall childhood in Southern California with, with my, I guess, nuclear family. Did, um, did any of your other family, Regina, move here? Or was oh, it yes. just your parents? So my mom is the eldest of eight siblings and six out of the eight immigrated to the U.S. because my grandmother took the leap and found a job actually in Newport Beach as a nanny to a family who had five children and the husband or the father of that family um, was a lawyer and he helped my grandmother my mom's mom, mm-hmm. uh, come up with all the paperwork, the legal paperwork to sponsor her family to come to the U.S. And so he just told her, why don't we list all of your um, children, all eight, and six of them chose to to come. And so I have a lot of relatives on both sides, my mom and my dad's side here in the U.S. So um, when they all came over yes was it challenging then for people to get visas and to move back then or was it easier i think it was probably easier back then and then as things changed with the government right recently they get it's more difficult um but as I, as it was told to me, because I was three, yeah. it was pretty easy. My my grandmother just submitted the paperwork based on the advice of this lawyer that she worked for, as a as a nanny and as as a housekeeper. Uh, and I remember my father saying that he had to just go to the Indonesian consulate and get 
you know, the visas and, and everything ready, the passports ready to go. You just had to have the paperwork and basically the, the cash, the money mm-hmm. to go. And okay, so, so when your parents came here, what did they do? So they will... It was great because there was a little bit of a network that was already established and they actually had met an American couple in Indonesia who was working in Indonesia and my mom was actually working for this American couple and they were um, in business there in in Indonesia and so my mom worked like as a secretary because she majored in English in back in Indonesia and so she could speak English and so she was supporting this company and uh the the head guy there I remember calling him Uncle Burl he gave my parents like all these directions about once you get to the U.S. you know you're going to need to get a driver's license you know and, and there were other friends in the U.S. that helped you know get them their first job find their first home to rent uh, and to, you know, basically establish themselves, find schools for us. Right. Um, so it was a big change for them and, and they just wanted a better life and a better opportunity for us. So we, you know, they took the leap and my father came from a very wealthy family okay. in Indonesia. And, um, but it, it came with, um, gosh, what do you call it? I mean, it wasn't, always easy and uh there was a lot of um his mom wanting to control his life so it was kind of like i'll take care of you strings attached strings attached exactly so i'll take care of you but uh you got to do what i say Mm -hmm. on my terms on my terms and so i mean my father didn't have to work until he was in his 30s um because they were so well off and you know back there we had nannies and you know the cooks the probably or cooks. something the nanny had a, um, a housekeeper for the nanny <laughs> it was just it was just that kind of lifestyle and so when they came to the u.s they had to sell everything because they left not on good terms so they okay. had to sell everything and come up with the cash to come over and so um the you know with all the support of, of american friends who wow. said you know when you go to the u.s you can't bribe anybody you can't bribe officials like you can in <laughs> indonesia right so it's right. like don't bribe anybody don't do it don't You're do gonna it go to jail. Not, yeah not that they did that but it was you know culturally that was expected that yeah. was normal right in in indonesia so that yeah they arrived in 1976 and my mom started working for Bank of America uh, as a teller, and then she moved her way up into private banking uh, mm-hmm. in Newport Beach in, in Southern California, in Orange County, and um, working with you know really big name clients and and helping them keep their money safe, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my father got a job at, um, it was called Maga at the time, and it was a okay. pharmaceutical company in Irvine that okay. actually supplies, makes supplies for hospitals. And and um, he worked with the IV water. So the IV bags in the hospital. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, wow, okay. So that's what they did. He worked there over 30 years. I mean, they just stayed in their organize it you you know but in that generation you didn't leave yeah yeah you didn't leave right you're just so loyal right yes you just stayed there is that why you went into pharma 
No, actually, I didn't even realize my dad worked for a pharmaceutical company until I was older. Uh, it was just something that I felt I wanted to do to be of service and help people. That was that was always seemed to be the common theme in my life is always to be of service, whether it was mm -hmm. like tutoring students. Um, I tutored a hearing impaired student in in college or I actually took notes for him so he could I, I would transcribe the lecture notes um, yeah. and then I, I knew I wanted to do something in healthcare, but I didn't I didn't want to be a physician and so um, I took the biology biology track uh, at Cal State Fullerton and then I was like well I want to do something in healthcare. and a family friend was a clinical pharmacist and so I decided well let me look into that and see what that's all about I did some shadowing and the rest is history I just I basically applied um, to three schools uh, UCSF USC and um, Creighton University in Omaha Nebraska that's another yeah. story as to why I would apply <laughs> out there but um, I got into all three and I went to UCSF because at the time um, it was the number one actually pharmacy school uh, in the nation and I was like I can't pass that up and I can't you know pass up live still living in California and I love San Francisco and we had relatives yeah. there so I went to pharmacy school and became a clinical pharmacist and um, eventually ran my own clinic at Kaiser Permanente and uh, helped uh, elderly patients, 65 and older, really manage their own care. And I ran a um, complex chronic conditions uh, case management team, and it consisted of me and a registered nurse, as well as a licensed clinical social worker. Mm -hmm. And we worked together as a team supporting the internal medicine physicians and the family practice docs to make sure that these patients who had like 15 medications and yeah. multiple comorbidities and who were generally, you know, geriatric and had a lot of conditions to manage, that they they could. Uh, thrive and not fall through the cracks. And so our job was to help them be safe at home and make sure they were taking the right medications and just overall disease management, you know, diabetes, heart failure, all, all the primary health conditions. So at what point did you recognize that you wanted to totally do a 180 and shift into O universe, <laughs> which you're going to have to explain to everybody. It's just Beautiful. I know. Oh, oh gosh. Thank you. Well, um, it, let me, let me answer that question with how I ended up there and then how I figured out how I needed to change because okay. I transformed personally and professionally. So I need to tell you a little bit of the backstory before I get to O universe, but essentially I loved what I did. I loved being of service. I loved working with patients and being a clinical pharmacist. And I got on this track because yes, I wanted to be in healthcare, but at the same time, I had this little voice in my head growing up saying, you need to find security for yourself and you mm. need to earn um, a great degree so you can have a great career and basically make a lot of money so that you mm -hmm. could be secure. And it's like, well, why, where did that come from? Well, growing up being immigrants and not necessarily having 
all the caregivers around or the babysitters, we were latchkey kids, right, in the 80s. Yeah. So we yeah. were home alone a lot. And my mom was a constant worrier about mm -hmm. finances, about security. She, she had this fear that she would one day be homeless. And oh. so my mom was always fearful and I was always feeling her fear. Yes. And at the same time, I also felt a bit abandoned when I was a child because we were home alone a lot. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of had to find our own way to prepare our own meals, to make sure we did our homework and all the things that we were supposed to do. So we were, you know, my sister and I were very responsible at a young age. But with that, there was a lot of fear of uh, insecurity and um, making sure that I would have everything that I would need when I, when I was an adult. So I went on this track of, I'm going to work so hard, I'm going to study really hard, and I'm going to create a great career for myself, starting in, I would say, junior high, because wow. I, I saw what was possible with the friends that I hung out with, because they, they basically came from privilege, and they had all the nice, pretty things, and yes. wonderful moms who stayed at home and welcomed, home, welcomed them home from school with nice snacks and all and that you're stuff. Like, and I, I want this. I want that. I want that. And they lived in beautiful homes. And I was like, I want that. So I studied and I worked really hard in high school and graduated with honors, got into, you know, Cal State Fullerton because my high school counselor said, you, you're not smart enough to go to a UC school. And, you know, so much, so many like narratives of you're not good enough, you're not smart enough. But I still moved forward, and even though I didn't go to a UC school, I went to Cal State Fullerton. They had a great uh, biology program, and then hence went into healthcare. And part of that kind of success checklist to to yes. make sure to ensure security for myself. Yes, I want to pause just for a second because there are so many good things here. But that security checklist is, yes. I'm sure, resonates with so many people, and also it's that voice in your head from um, parents or loved ones growing up that yes. impact when we're older, but it's do we want to hold on to those? And I can 100% relate to those. Okay, just okay. wanted to say that, love it. So in O Universe, when we talk about that, we'll talk about external narratives because that's what you're describing. And then the ego narrative, which is the self-limiting fear-based thoughts, how to address that. Yes. Uh, because I experience all of that. And thank you for calling that out. Uh, so part of that kind of security checklist, I called it the success checklist. And it was get a great, you know, have a great success career. Checklist. Get the, get the education to get the great career, get a great job or position, make good money, uh, get a house, mm -hmm. get a nice fancy car, mm -hmm. buy nice pretty clothes with expensive shoes and, mm -hmm. and purses, and um, get have all the wonderful, luxurious vacations, and, and get the husband. Right. Have right. a husband. Right. So this is like the success checklist that is, you know, imposed on us, I think, culturally as well as society um, and all those external narratives. And, and again, it was fear based energy that was driving me to get this all done. Right. Because okay. of my childhood and my upbringing. Yeah. Right. And so I got it all by 28. I had all of it except kids. And I even actually had the doctor husband. 
And I was in my big fat house yes. in Fresno, California. I had my career um, and I was sitting in this house alone and I was like, I'm not happy. Why am I not happy? I'm so not satisfied. I feel unfulfilled. I feel isolated. I feel alone. And I was like, well, I think, am I the only one feeling this? Yeah. Uh, my husband at the time, did was he feeling this? He yeah. wasn't really addressing it. Uh, and I tried ignoring it. I kept getting this inner voice that kept saying, this isn't right. This isn't right. And and I was like, but what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. I, I spent so many years, right? Nine years of yeah. schooling and training to get to where I was. What am I going to do? So you know that inner, the inner voice that you're talking about, and, and this is what I really wanted to ask you tonight is, how do you know when the inner voice is your inner voice or it's fear or it's, um, because there are, so I'm, I'm going through a divorce and there were times in my marriage where I thought those things too, like, am I really happy? But I didn't want it to be like, I didn't want to think, well, the grass is always greener somewhere else. Yes. And I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to keep trying, you know, yeah. but, I, but my gut knew, but oh, yeah. I, I couldn't. I didn't want to, I don't know. How do you distinguish between the two? It's a great question. I get this question a lot. And this is the essence of O universe, right? I, so that inner voice you're calling, or you're describing, I call it the inner authentic voice. Some people call it a gut feeling, a sixth sense, the inner knowing, um, instinctual, right? Intuition, uh, is what it's been called. Um, and then you have your external narratives from what family and friends, cultural, societal, religious expectations of you, those are external narratives. And then you have this other narrative called the ego narrative. And I've lovingly called it Egon. So I totally <laughs> talk to my Egon all the time, which is again, the ego, your ego narrative. So the difference is, if you have any fear-based self-limiting thoughts, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't know what you're doing, um, you need to stay here because there's nothing else for you out there. Uh, it's not safe out there. It's safer in here uh, in where we're at in our bubble. That's all ego narrative. That's Egon trying to protect you. It's always been with us since we've been growing up. And it's, it's, it's our brain's way of collecting data and information. And when we can't put the pieces together, it fills the gaps and creates a story as we're growing up. And it, the point is to protect us. It's mm -hmm. for survival. And what can happen is those stories we've created or what ego has created for us becomes not helpful. And it doesn't serve us when we get older. And oftentimes a lot of the things that were created are not true. And so you will hear Egon continue, it's persistent. It's a pesky voice and narrative that constantly comes in for, I mean, for a lot of folks, I think like every day and it creates anxiety, oh, yeah. stress, right? And you get a, I get a stomach ache, yes. my chest gets tight, I can get a headache, I don't feel good, right? And it says things like, don't, you know, you can't leave this life you've created because you've built it and 
what will people think? How embarrassing will this be for your family? No one in your family, especially your Asian family, no one's divorced. No one gets divorced. Uh, It's unheard of. You just stay in it and you accept what you have. And so there was a lot of fear about that. But then there's this other voice. And so to answer your question, that kind of nagging gut feeling that's kind of in the pit of your stomach, it will always tell you the truth. It will always tell you things. It doesn't know fear. It only knows good. And it will never, ever lead you in the wrong direction. It will always lead you to your true north, essentially. So, Regina, okay, let's say it's the beginning of, you're just hearing just a little bit of that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's not full-fledged, you can tell. How do you dig in to hear it more or louder, right? Yes. Because like I had that inner voice, but I didn't know it. Like I didn't know what I didn't know. Does that make sense? Absolutely, I was in the same shoes. I had no idea that there were actual practices and rituals that you can actually do. There's actually names for some of these things that you can actually put into practice. So the key thing that that um, people should know is that when your egon is constantly on chatter in your mind, or you're yes. constantly tapping into external narratives, what you're expected to do from what your parents think, or your family, or culturally, whatever. If you're always tapped into that and you're hearing that, you cannot really hear your inner authentic voice, your gut feelings or your intuition, because both those narratives cannot exist in your internal dialogue at the same time. So they can't coexist. They cannot coexist. Okay. So the key is you need to be able to address Egon. And so there are a couple tips that I can share with you on how to address Egon. The first is acknowledge it and and say, hello, Egon, I know what this is. Like you hear the little fear-based thought, self-limiting thought come into your mind. Yes. And and you say, I know what this is. Hello, Egon. Okay. You start with thank you, but no thank you. And and you say it in a loving tone. We don't hate Egon. We're not angry at Egon. It's in a loving tone and you say, hello, Egon, I know what this is. Thank you, but no thank you. Thank you for protecting us all these years, but no thank you. Today- So do you get to a sense of gratitude with Egon or no? Um, You can, you mean like thinking, well, it's gratitude for Egon protecting us all those years, yes. Thank you, but no thank you. We do okay. not need to continue with Egon moving forward. It's not serving us in the best right. way. And I would say I'm not going to go deep in that gratitude. It would be yeah. more yeah. of a pushing a wit. A thank you in a, in, a, Acknowledge in a confident acknowledgement place. Okay, okay. Yes. So it's thank you, but no thank you. I choose and desire to align with my inner authentic voice. So hello, Egon. I know what this is. I... It's thank you, but no thank you. I choose and desire to align with my inner authentic voice. You can say it out loud verbally, or you can just say it in your head. Okay. Or even better, you write it down. That's what I was going to, okay. You write it down. And so I do a daily practice of writing in my journal. And so I write it down. And so when you do your daily practice in your journal, are you writing down 
what Egon is telling you or are you writing, yeah. what are you writing down? I guess. Yes. You, yes. I, so I do this thing called flip the narrative. Yeah. So I, I fold my journal page in half and I write Egon on the top left column and I write IAV for interauthentic voice on the top right column. And so I have two columns and then in the Egon column, I write down all the fear-based thoughts that come to me. For me, okay. it was, um, you can't leave co your corporate job because you can't leave the golden handcuffs. We yes. cannot leave the golden handcuffs, right? Which is the high-paying salary, the benefits, right? 401k mm -hmm. plus stocks, right? And right. bonuses, right? So we call that the golden handcuffs. And it kept telling me, you cannot leave the golden handcuffs because we're accustomed to a certain lifestyle and security. Security is important, right? And yeah. so I would write that down in the left column, can't leave golden handcuffs. And then I'd sit with it. I'd close my eyes, take some deep breaths, and I would go inward. And I would okay. tap into my inner authentic voice. And I would ask it, well, what is the solution here, right? And, and it, the voice would, will emerge and it will come through in my writing. And it's a thought that drops into my internal narrative. And some, sometimes it happens in that moment. And sometimes it will come later when I'm doing some mindless task. It just drops into my internal dialogue. And okay. it, it, kind of, it sounds like when you read to yourself, when you're reading a book and you're reading silently to yourself and the words yes. are there in your mind, it yes. sounds like that. And, it, and in this case, it dropped in and said, Regina, what makes you think you can't do better than mm. the golden handcuffs if you left corporate? What makes you think you cannot do better? And it wasn't essentially just financially, but being fulfilled and being happy. What makes you think you can't do better than where you were? Regina, is the work thing happening the same time the divorce thing is happening? No. So the divorce no. was in 2009 and the work thing happened in, gosh, 2020. Okay. Okay. So there's a bit right. of time. And that's what I wanted to call out too, is that it takes time to kind of hear that inner authentic voice and to go and to walk your journey. But what's what I discovered that was an aha moment for me was that when I did all of this work with a spiritual coach, yes. and it, starting in 2019, a little bit, but mostly in 2020, was that there's a way to address, as you asked me, how can you support hearing your inner authentic voice more and foster yeah. an environment to tap into it more? There is a way. And so I feel like the journey I walked, it was meant to be. And I've learned so much on that journey that I am where I am because of it. At the same time, from what I've experienced most recently, there is a way, I believe, to do it faster, to to be able to kind of take a shortcut, so to speak, Yes. Uh, to get to your true north, to get to where you need to head or want to head because of your true inner authentic self really guiding you through your inner authentic voice, your intuition, gut feeling, whatever. Uh -huh. It's that communication line. I call it the telephone. I pick up the telephone to my inner authentic voice to tap into my inner authentic self or yes. my higher soul self or the person I was born to be and do. That is the person I want to connect with. Yes, yes. And yes, 
Okay, can we just pause for a moment? Because that's big stuff right yeah, there. I know. we. And uh, because right now I think so many people, me included, have been given gifts during COVID or personal circumstances to really take the time to understand that. Maybe it's, maybe it's also that I'm 47 years old and I'm more interested in it now. I don't know. But yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so your shortcut there to really get to, I'm, I'm going to use my words, like my best version of myself or who I was meant to be. Yes. What, how, you give what are one, the shortcuts? Mm-hmm. What are the, sorry, could I? Yeah. One of the shortcuts or like, um, cause I know there's a number of practices, I'm sure a couple of practices that you do and we can't talk for five hours today, but yeah, maybe share one more. The journaling I'm guessing is one. Yes. Every morning, every, every morning. morning. I like someone asked me, like if, if you're knock on wood, like ne- never would this happen, I'm, you know, never would this happen, you know, your house burns down or something. Yeah. What would you grab if you got to run out the door? Right. It's like, you know, of course, loved ones, my dog my laptop and my journal and that's it journal. um and and the journal is really my communication tool to connect with my best version of myself as you call it the inner authentic self yeah. um it's it's really an extension of the telephone to tap into the inner authentic voice and so you had asked earlier you know like what does that feel or sound like it's really um it comes through as thoughts as well as feelings. So if you're in an at a in the crossroads, right? And yes. you're trying to figure out go right or left and you're trying to make a decision and it could be big decisions or small decisions. Small. Right? Where to mm-hmm. go on vacation when we can start traveling. Uh, big decisions like get married, get divorced, uh, which get career, a new job, get a yeah. new job, right? Kind of the big there's big life decisions, but even the small ones add up to getting sure. you on path to the right direction of your true north, right? And so the key is that it comes in as, as I mentioned earlier, is kind of this internal narrative, a random thought that just drops into your mind um, that will tell you yes or no, or do this or do that. It comes when you have like a, maybe you ask yourself a question, should I take this job? Or should I stay put? And then you'll get a feeling. And if it feels either a neutral, like, eh, or it feels, I dread it, don't go that way. That is your inner authentic voice telling you that is not the way to go, right? It's it's telling you that there's another way. And so then you make the decision appropriately. So really tap into your feelings, which I know sometimes can be difficult. I know a lot of women in Asian culture, we don't talk about feelings growing up. We don't talk about happy or sad. We, We just are. And you just knew you were loved because you had a home and you had food on the table and they, Mm. and they paid for your schooling, that sort of thing. But we didn't really talk about feelings. So if you're not in tune with your emotions, it's important to get in tune with feeling your feelings because oftentimes your inner authentic voice, your gut feelings um, come through that way, whether it's feeling excitement, like, oh my gosh, this is, I can't pass this up. I'm so excited about it. You just know that it's a good feeling and that's the way it's asking you to head in that direction. Mm 
because yes. we all have freedom of choice. We can choose which way we want to go. You choose whether you want to listen to external narratives and have that be your guide or, or Egon. So much of my 20s into my mid-30s, Egon was my guide. And I listened mm. to Egon and did everything Egon said and did the success checklist and stayed in the marriage because I was so scared to leave and I was afraid what people would think. Um, but then the inner authentic voice would come through and it kept saying, not this, not this, this is not right. That was exactly the words I would hear. And it would say, um, you know, this voice isn't going to go away until you address it. It would say that to me. And I stayed, I was in that relationship for 17 years. 10 of it was married in a marriage. Yeah. Um, but the other way that you'll hear the voice is through um, dreams. So sometimes you'll get a dream and it will tell you a story and it will actually answer a question that you're trying to solve. Okay, give me an example of one. I think this is really fun. Can you oh, think of a dream that you had or maybe a coaching client that you had and what dream? Yeah, I would say I, I could sit, share maybe a dream that I had. Oh, I know. Okay. This is a good one. So I was in the corporate world working for a big biotech company in South San Francisco, and the company was going through a structural reorg. And a lot of people were displaced and moved into different teams. And I had this feeling, this inner authentic voice that said, it's, it's time to go. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to figure out when should we go? When, when should we depart the company? And of course, I was seeking other opportunities where where am I going to head as I depart this position yeah. and I didn't know and it was should I go you know this year or next year and then you know the the next position I was looking at wasn't quite available yet and so things kind of dragged out and I was like well I could just go and leave now and just figure it out when I get on the other side, right? Yeah. And then, but the fear kicks in, right? And then, and then a couple months would pass and then it was springtime. And in, in this particular organization, uh, in March is when you get your review. Okay. And whether you're promoted, whether you get, you know, what, what's your bonus and, and your stock options, long-term incentives, all of that stuff, your raise, yes. it reads out in March. And so now I'm rolling into January and I'm like, well, are we going, or are we staying to wait out for March? Mm -hmm. And I had a dream and the human resources manager who, who I knew yeah. showed up in my dream oh my and God. she, she goes, hi, Regina. And we were, we were in the office and we were in the hallway in one, in one of the um, conference rooms. And she goes, hi, Regina. So I hear you're staying with us through March. And that was a dream. And I, and I stayed, I stayed through March. I, I left the organiza organization end of March and I felt really good about it. Yep. So it could show up as a dream. Um, it shows up when I'm writing. I'll ask a question, a problem I'm trying to solve. Ooh, I like that. You ask yeah. the question. Oh, yes. That's the key. Asking a question is so important because oftentimes... I never do that. I never ask the question. That is so good. Yeah, it's... it's 
you know, other women have have said this to me because Golly. they say that uh, they use journaling as kind of like a dear diary to document the events of their day yeah. or for gratitude. This yes, is what I but hear. I'm never, I'm not asking any questions. Okay, yes. So this is a huge one. So <laughs> you ask a question and be very clear with your question and, and okay. not a compounded question, not okay. like, should I leave this company and when should I leave it? Like, it, you know, one question, right? Okay. And focus on that, ask it, and then invite your inner authentic self to answer you through your inner authentic voice. I invite you to provide some answers, some solutions. Sometimes it's a problem. Sometimes it's a, a decision. I'm going to write that down. I invite you to I, provide I, solutions. And, and to create some ideas. So this is exactly how I'm building a universe. I'm okay. not doing it alone. And this may sound a little woo-woo for some listeners, but I am not doing it alone. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I have a science background. I'm a clinical right. pharmacist, I'm a healthcare provider. And I decided to take the leap to create O Universe and to be of service and empower women to find their true north through the power of their own inner authentic voice. You know, Egon would be saying, you don't know how to run a business. Who are you kidding? You're not smart enough. So tapping into my inner authentic voice provides me the knowing and the answers and the guidance to move forward. But I do it because I address Egon. Right. Yes. And I, yes. I can do it because I tap into how I feel and I tap into listening to the inner authentic voice come through, through feelings, through dreams, through random thoughts that drop in my head or when I ask a question in my journal. So every morning I'm trying to solve something for the day, whether it's writing the next chapter in my memoir self-help book that I'm writing now. And I'm, I'm like, Yay. right. I'm like three quarters way through the book, through the first draft. And so, you know, I call on the voice to be like, okay, we got to co-create this, send me some ideas. I won't get into the guides just yet, but no, there don't. are guides as well. But, um, cause so I think that should be, they need, when you have, the book or a vlog it's in a vlog that you've done i have a vlog they could, i have they could go to but i know but i didn't know if the guides were talked about there you yeah. they could go follow up and learn it there yes absolutely no right. great great point it's a teaser it's a teaser yeah, yeah. <laughs> great um, point. all right so we're about up with time and i can't not even believe it because it's just flown by yes is there anything that we didn't talk about that you're like oh sarah we got to talk about this one thing. Gosh. Um, let me I had a really good thing. question for you before, and I didn't write it down. And it was going to be my final question. Oh, okay. So I don't know if you want to add more to this afterwards. But I'm curious. How You know how a lot of people will talk about manifestation, manifesting things that's and I like manifesting things if it's tied to my best self right yes how is this um how is your authentic inner voice in alignment with that oh I love this question <gasps> okay good I love this question because I have I love reflected this talk, by the way 
Thank you. Mm-hmm. I have reflected on that question and um, talked to a few experts about it. So th- this is what I know to be true. Okay. And I totally believe in manifesting. Yeah. I do it. Um, that's how we got the home in France and where we will hold well-being and writing retreats on finding your true north in France. So that's another story. But I believe in where manifesting. I'm going. I am going to go. You're okay. going to go. I'm going to meet you there. Yeah. Uh, but the thought about the inner authentic voice is that it is the, again, the telephone that informs you of what's coming. Oh. So, so when you think of, okay, I, I want X, Y, and Z. I, I don't know. I, I want a dream home in France. I mean, let's just take yeah. that example because or I- let's even do one that's less like, like the secret, which okay. always seem to be like material things. Okay, let's got say it. it's, I want, um, I want compassion for others or I want forgiveness. Can we do that one? Or I'm trying to think of one that might be something that's not tied to a kind of materialistic thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, sure, it could be anything that 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 you're striving towards. Um, what? Go ahead. What about like you said? I always want to serve others. Yes. You know, if it if you find out what that one of your like superhero gifts are yes for okay so i'm gonna let me play this out with you if that's okay so like i love doing these podcasts yes and i if i could interview people all day long i I would right or something about that connection piece that i have how do i manifest more of that so so you're asking me how would you tap maybe tap into your inner authentic voice to manifest more of that yes right? yes manifest attracting more of these um, interviews these interviews mm-hmm. and it okay. doesn't have to be in this format it's more of of that the energy that i get when i'm interacting with others in this sort of way so it's a, it's a type of interview also that you're seeking mm-hmm. possibly Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's a couple things to think about. There's there's the personality and what it desires, right? So you desire what you just described. Connection. Then there's the, there's the inner authentic voice that that provides you information from your best version of yourself, as you describe it, right? Your inner okay. authentic self. Okay. And so there is like a dialogue between the different narratives of what one wants and and what one sees for you. And so I always say that, and this is the old me would not believe this, but I always, what's important to know now is that having no responsibilities, having no plan, responsibilities, having no plan, meaning that it's important that you have an idea of where you want to head, but provide enough room and space for the universe your inner authentic self, the best version of yourself, who you were meant to be, can show up and add to that plan that you've created in your mind, personality self. And so your inner authentic voice will guide you to this next best thing 
that's coming from your inner authentic self. And it gives you a peek behind the curtain because it provides you the guidance of which way to go. The, the thing to know about the inner authentic voice is it doesn't tell you the five-year, 10-year plan. Right, right. It tells you one step at a time and you okay. get to that. Define step. again for me then the difference between inner authentic self and inner authentic voice. So the inner authentic self yes. is your true higher soul self Got who it. you were born to be and what you were born to do. That's the best that's self, your, okay. The best self. Okay. And to talk to that person, let's call it a person, okay. a being within you, to talk to this, to talk to her, this being within you that you were born with, you connect through your inner authentic voice. The inner authentic voice is the telephone. Okay, got so it. So you pick up the telephone of, called the inner authentic voice telephone and you say, hello, inner authentic self, the person I was born to be, give me some guidance. I'm really interested in having more of these high energy, wonderful, fulfilling podcast interviews. I love it. I love it. I love it. Please send me some guidance on how I can do more of this to be of service. And you write this down and then it comes to you. And so the key is, so another tip is, I know we're out of time, but no, no, you got to address Egon, right? So, cause you can't have both narratives. Right. That's on the flip side of the paper. Yes. Okay. So address Egon, address and kind of thank you, no thank you. So he gets that narrative out of your head. Yes. And then find your joy, find what lights you up and do it all the time and do it as much as you can throughout your day or on a weekly basis. I hear people, I, I'll ask women, I'm like, what lights you up? And they look at me like, uh, I don't know. I, no one's ever asked me that because they're doing their day job and, and they have children and they're really busy. And so they don't have time. So I'm like, okay, time out, like spend Saturday or when the kids are asleep at night or, or whatever, and, and find some time for yourself and ask yourself what lights me up and think back to when you were younger, when you were growing up, were you drawing? Were you painting? Oh. I mean, are you an avid reader, but now you don't have time? Um, do you play sports? Do you play tennis? Now you don't have time. Like whatever it is that just makes you feel so good inside, you need to schedule that into your calendar and do it regularly because when you do stuff that lights you up, it brings you the most joy. And when you feel the joy, you tap into your inner authentic voice more because the inner authentic voice runs at a higher frequency. It's like tapping into a radio station. You got to mm -hmm. find the right frequency. And if you're feeling down and you're listening to Egon and the fear-based narratives, then you're not going to be able to be on the right frequency of tapping into your inner authentic voice or dialing into the right radio station to your inner authentic voice. So Regina, for me, after I do the podcast, that is the perfect time for me to tap into it. Yes. For me. Because Yes, so because you love from doing you, it. Figure out what that is for you. I think it's really amazing because I have I have been asked often. I don't know what brings me joy anymore. How do I figure it out? I love your recommendation of go back to what you loved as a child. Yeah, because what I loved as a child was sports, was play, um, competitive play. Yeah, and I've started to do that more through pickleball, and it brings me the greatest joy. 
Exactly. Okay. Okay. So you know that energy that you feel right after you play? Yeah. Hold on to that energy and then go into your journal and, and write and ask questions. If you don't have the journal with you, ask the question in your mind. But it really solidifies it when you write it. Yes. Right? It puts I typically energy. keep a journal with me most of the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. You have been such a gift to us. Seriously. Thank so, you. Where can people go to find you? Why don't you do a quick plug? And we'll put it in the in the notes too. But Yes, thank you. Um, they can find me at o-universe.com. And if you jump right into the website, you can see all the things that are available to people. If people are trying to figure this stuff out, some of the things that you're asking me, I created a cheat sheet. So all they have to do is go to o-universe.com and go to the free guide and you can download it. It's like four pages, but it's all these things we talked about. So folks don't need to take notes. Um, And we have a Facebook community. So I'm really just seeking kindred spirits, folks with similar backgrounds who are trying to tap into more of their intuitive voice, their inner authentic voice, folks who have kind of these professional corporate backgrounds that can tap into this side of the universe. Um, I love this kind of intersection. And I found that when I was in the corporate world, um, it was hard to find uh, kindred spirits who didn't look at me like I was crazy or that I was talking way too woo-woo. So I have a Facebook community called Hello O Universe, and I'm just seeking other women who are, if this resonates with you, I would love for you uh, to join. And I will... I joined it. Oh. I joined it, yeah. I Thank joined. you, Sarah. You're welcome. Uh, and I, I am creating a digital course. So eventually Good. this summer, I will have a digital course that will roll out about all of this and how to do it to find your true north and make the best decisions for yourself and your family and loved ones. Um, and And with that, if I can just ask... Dear viewers, if you or listeners, if you know anyone who's a great editor where this story resonates, uh, I am looking for an editor, someone to help me um, get my book to where it needs to be to eventually publish. So I just that's amazing. You're putting it out there. I love it. Well, it's good. You're going to find that person. I know it. Thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. Uh, Listeners, we're also going to be using some wonderful content from Regina, uh, not only through Failing Forward, but through 0.0 Living. So we hope to do some future partnerships because the content that Regina has is, it's amazing. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Sarah. It was absolutely my pleasure. You're the best. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod. 